ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 14 of the Big Nickel IDP podcast on the Big Three Network. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. And we are back again for another look at 2021's IDPs. Uh, after last episode, Joey the Tooth and I took a lot more of like a, a focused uh, look at some of the best values and sleepers to target in your IDP leagues. And this week, we're going much bigger with a, a wide ranging episode as we look actually look at ranking uh, 2021's IDPs. So for a big time episode like this, we need a big time guest, someone who is no stranger to rankings and, and accurate rankings at that, as he has finished as the number one ranker on Fantasy Pros and IDP preseason rankings in 2017 and 2018. He is the host of the award-winning Draft Sharks Fantasy Football Podcast. He's an absolute podcasting machine, by the way. He is someone who can truly be considered an all-around fantasy expert as he does great work on both sides of the ball. He is Mr. Matt Schauf. Matt. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on, John. I'm great, especially now after that intro. I mean, you're making me think I'm even more than I, I might be. I hope I don't let anybody down after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a big star. Big star. Uh, <laughs> Well-deserved intro for sure. And these are just the... These are just the things that are true. So um, nothing, nothing, no fluff about it. But, uh, yeah. So, so you are coming over from the draft sharks. Um, like I mentioned in the, in the intro, the draft sharks fantasy podcast, you do that pretty regularly um, and throughout the week too. Uh, how many, how much do you do? Uh, how many podcasts do you do per, uh, per week? Yeah. Well, the past two weeks were a little bit abnormal because we had the draft sharks invitational. So we had six leagues drafting in that we streamed every one of those. So we had, three of those each of the past two weeks and then jared and i usually do at least once a week this time of year we're, we're up to more like twice a week so we've been mixing those in with the stream so i mean over the past couple weeks it's been you know four to five shows a week during the regular season it's i think we're at about four shows a week um you know throughout the off season where we try to be at least once a week so it, it varies but I'm, I'm usually talking more than people want to listen if you, especially if you ask my kids <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that, yeah, that's definitely, that's a, that's a heavy workload for sure, but obviously the people enjoy it and you know, you're getting the content out there and uh, I think that's the main thing. So that's pretty cool. So you're, you're a seasoned veteran as far as this podcasting stuff goes. I'm, I'm still, uh, still pretty much a rookie uh, as <laughs> on that side of, of things, but uh, we're, we're, we're moving along here and, and trying different stuff with uh, the big nickel podcast. And this one will be, it'll be kind of interesting. It's a, uh, we haven't, done like this kind of big breakdown of rankings before we've just kind of focused on on some of like smaller uh groupings of idps so it'll be interesting to see uh how many players we can actually get through in uh in the allotted time for the the show here yeah it should be wide ranging but hey i mean that's what we're here for is because we like talking about these guys right yeah, exactly. That's right. And then, yeah, hopefully people want to listen too. I mean, there's, this is basically draft season, right? Everybody's doing a draft, at least one draft right now, probably going on uh, like three slow drafts at a time if you're really into it. And uh, I think the ranking stuff, it, it does help people out a little bit just kind of um figuring out the the differences in 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 players that are that are close or, or similar or maybe not so close as as people would think so um it will be interesting uh and as far as um like actually drafting in in these like kind of leagues what what would you say is your strategy i guess for when you're you're in an idp league and you know standard ppr or something like that and and focus more on like a 
say a tackle heavy scoring for for IDP. Where are you looking to to grab your IDPs in in a in a redraft? I think it, it really varies depending on who you're drafting with and the format. You know, you mentioned tackle heavy. I certainly would start out with linebackers. Generally, if it's that kind of format, I'm going to let somebody else start it. Although, honestly, right now I'm big on Darius Leonard. So I might very well be the one that starts things. And then the two ongoing slow IDP drafts I have going right now, I was the one who took Darius Leonard off the board to get the defensive drafting started. So, um, you know, it, that's still going to vary by league. The, the people that I'm playing with, if they're less familiar with the format, I certainly feel like I can wait longer, whether that's waiting until waiting longer to start or whether it's taking Darius Leonard and then just sitting back and letting them grab all the other names that they know and then taking the guys that I think that they should have taken already. So it, it really, like, it, it's, I, I think that IDP still at this point is kind of like what fantasy football in general used to be like 15 years ago in that. You know, there are some people who really know it. There are plenty of people who know it well enough. And then there are a lot who just play it. You can still find advantages in certain groups and even in groups that that play the same format year after year. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. And I think you're right. I think it does. It definitely matters. Um who you're drafting with and and how kind of the draft is going like typically like I'll, I'll wait till like round seven or eight or so but I mean if 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 the, if things kick off like super early as far as IDPs go and there's a run of like I don't know six seven defensive linemen or something like <laughs> there's there's gonna be like one that I, I'm gonna feel like I have to take at least to try to not miss out on that that elite tier but um yeah you mentioned the the Darius Leonard one I think that's where we're in a in that draft together, um, or at least one of the ones that you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. because yeah, I, I know you took, uh, you took Darius Leonard and it was, I was interested to kind of see like your draft strategy in that one. Cause we had never done a draft uh, together. And I noticed you kind of went with like one of each position to kind of kick things off for your team. Um, whereas I did like groupings, it was a super flex. So I took like a couple quarterbacks and I took a few running backs, a few wide receivers. Um, so I was, I was kind of grouping my, my players together and, and you went kind of with the, the one by one um, position is that just like a, 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 a typical strategy of yours or is that something you just were, were giving a try for that um, that draft specifically I mean that particular league so it's best ball to begin with so you know we know that gives us right. a little bit of wiggle room for what we can pick and then it's just so it's such a different format than what you're used to playing with super flex with all the IDP spots with the extra flexes and even just two receivers versus three so I mean I think it opens up a wide range of approaches so if I'm playing in something like that I really try to start out ready to be flexible versus what everybody else is doing. I don't want to go in plan saying I need to have two of my quarterbacks among the first four picks or something like that. And then see everybody take their quarterbacks and then take what's left. So, I mean, I I try to adjust it based on how things are going. And I feel like that's what I did there. I started with Zeke. I know because there weren't many running backs and I was close to the end of round one. Um, And, you know, I don't remember exactly how the picks went, but the Darius Leonard pick in particular you know, you see all these other positions going off and I'm like, well, I could take the next guy at some spot or I could take the guy at linebacker and I'll collect players at the other positions, see where it goes. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but I think that having this extra position, having the the IDP depth of knowledge, you can kind of use it like that. You might not be the first one to take it. You might be the first one. And you can also use it as that catch all where if you get to a point where you're like, I don't really want one of these receivers. I don't want a tight end. Okay. There aren't that many, 
you know, defensive ends off the board, it's time to go ahead and take the guy I've been waiting on here. Right. Yeah. I like that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Especially like getting somebody like a Darius Leonard. Like I, I, I like the idea of just having like an, like an anchor linebacker, somebody that, you know, you can set and forget, um, every single week and is going to be like an LB one basically on, on any given week. So, um, yeah, I, I like the strategy. I, I, I was interested by it. So, um, it makes me kind of think that I, I've I've messed up somewhere along the lines in that draft, but uh, we'll see how it turns out by the end. Um, yeah, it's, it's it is interesting. Like different leagues. Um, That's the ultimate goal, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to make other people uncomfortable in the draft room. Yeah, exactly. Kind of put the pressure on everybody else. Feel confident in kind of what you're doing, right? And uh, yeah, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes I'm kind of like, ah, I start to second guess myself a little bit. But um, like for for example, we're doing the the IDP Invitational uh, draft right now, and it's through three, it's through nine rounds. And and ironically enough, I haven't taken an IDP yet. Um, but just kind of building the offense, it's super flex and it's tight end premium. So there's like all these different things that come into play, like that, that change up strategies a little bit. And I still feel pretty confident that there's going to be a lot of IDPs on the board after nine, 10 rounds. So, um, Sometimes I wait, sometimes I'll, I'll grab one early, but yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it just depends on how the draft is going. Um, all right. And, and then the other question I was going to ask you is just uh, how long you've been playing in IDP leagues. I would say I've been playing IDPs since 2005, 2006, and certainly writing about ranking, projecting them since that range. It's funny though, as I was telling you before the show, I started out my first ever league that I was in was an IDP league. And we just played with a couple of them and it didn't really work because you know you got two linebackers and there were plenty of guys for everybody it's all i always tell people that it would be like playing in an offensive league where all you have to do is get three players among the entire group of running backs wide receivers and tight ends it's easy and right. everybody can do that so i talked to my league out of playing like that and switching to team defenses but ultimately i like the idp format when you're doing it right obviously yeah for sure like ideally like if i could play like if it's 11 idps nine to 11 i think somewhere is like is is really kind of ideal for me like i get it not every league is going to be that way or or, you know be interested in that kind of size of a roster so um but that that's yeah that's more like kind of my speed but you know everybody's going to start somewhere and i tell people that you know ask questions all the time Mm -hmm. that say like you know i want to try idp but my league mates don't really want to give it a go i say like then start like small like start with like you said like a cup like two or three idps per lineup just to kind of get used to the players and get used to the format a little bit and um and it's not too hard because you everybody knows kind of the star defensive players uh in in the nfl so you're not drafting um guys that aren't really Mm -hmm. necessarily not household names basically. So makes it a little easy. And then it opens things up for people to kind of get interested uh, yeah. and grow from there. And I certainly don't mean to belittle anyone's format. I mean, whatever format works for the league, I'm all for, and I, you know, give advice to people playing all sorts of formats. When I say do it right, I, I would, I would suggest to anybody who wants to start it up to start with at least five. You have yeah. like one required defensive lineman, one required DB, and then like three flex. And, you know, you could vary it along those lines, but that gives you a taste of actually playing it, having to put some strategy into it. And then you can really find out whether you got, whether you like it or whether you don't. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're right. I think that is, that is a good way to go for it. And yeah, try it in a redraft league at first, like, you know, you give it a season and see what happens. And then, you know, if you like it, you like it. If not, I mean, it's at least you tried it. Right. 
Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, you mentioned uh, playing since around 2005 or so. And, and, and one of the questions that I've been kind of asking uh, a lot of the guests that come on is who would be on their Mount Rushmore, uh, so to speak, of IDPs uh, from the time that they started playing uh, in IDP. So for for you, I mean, it could be anybody. It could be your your favorite IDPs to roster in that time. It could be the guys that helped you, you know, win the most championships. Um, guys that were who you think were actually just the best uh, IDPs from that time. Uh, however, you wanted to approach it, uh, it was up to you. So I'm interested to kind of know uh, who you had on your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and I know that J.J. Watt and Luke Keekley have been popular choices here, but they're definitely guys that came to mind for me just because J.J. Uh, Watt, when, he's, when he was healthy in Houston, was just a, a dominant force. It was him, then you take some linebackers, then you look back to defensive line and, and whatever else. So it's tough for me to leave him out. Plus, he's just a fun guy to watch and root for. I mean, that, that only helps to put him on there. And then, you know, Luke Keekley, similar deal, not quite the dominance over his position, but similar just the guy that you knew was going to be at the top every year. So it's tough to leave him out. I reached back for Derek Brooks because he was one of those top guys back when I started playing this. It was him and Ray Lewis atop the league for at least like those first year or two when I was playing it at that point. And those, it was a keeper league that we were playing in. So those guys were getting kept at times. But Derek Brooks was a guy who could contribute across categories. He delivered the tackles. He made the big plays that would give, that would win weeks for you. So like Derek Brooks was the kind of guy that if you played in one of those leagues where you had just a few slots and he was a guy you got you were like i love idp i'm definitely gonna play this going forward and then i I figured i would throw in a current guy that we've already mentioned because i think that he's on the path to it not because he's there yet but darius leonard is he's blowing away the position right now and it's tough for it's a little bit tougher right now to realize that because last year he missed a few games and devin white had his big breakout, but I mean, if you look back at the points per game, Darius Leonard still beat Devin White in his healthy games and points per game last season. You know, depending on format, I'm sure there are some formats where it was Devin White first, but Darius Leonard through injury uh, was still dominating. And the two years before that, he was just like way ahead of the position. So, uh, like, he he is one of the biggest difference makers at his peak uh, across fantasy. Assuming you're playing offense and defense, he is ahead of his position more than probably anybody else at any other position right now, even including Travis Kelsey at tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. I mean, I think if it wasn't for like him missing games, like I don't think there would be even any debate amongst people who the LB one is for uh, going into like any of the next few years, because yeah, Leonard is just, Every single time he's on the field, it's just the tackle like vacuum. Um, just it eats everything up. And and yeah, it's a good choice. I, I, I agree with you. I think he'll be on there um, when it's all said and done. And uh, I, I, I just realized, like, like, I don't think anybody else said Derek Brooks. I, I've always kind of like I thought Derek Brooks would get on here earlier, but you're the first one to actually put Derek Brooks on the list. So um, as much as, as the J.J. Watt and, and Luke Keekley that, we, that we've seen, um, this is the first Derek Brooks. So uh, I, I like it. It's, uh, it's a good one for you, sure. You finally got somebody old enough to remember him, John. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, that's fair too. But we're, we've all been, we're all pretty old at this point. <laughs> we should all remember Derek Brooks. <laughs> All right. Um, sweet. I like it. I will add that to the the list. Um, 
All right. So, well, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of players that kind of go through here and, and we don't have to talk about each single player, um, in, in, within the rankings, but just kind of like a general idea of, of why certain guys are where they are. Um, and yeah, so we'll kind of get into the the actual IDP rankings here. Um, I, we've broken them down into 12 player tiers uh, just to kind of better represent like rounds in a standard fantasy draft. Um, but a couple of things to point out, I, I think, is where to take these guys in drafts by round. So like I said, for me, I, I like to wait till round seven or eight or so, depending on if it's a super flex or, or tight end premium or not. Sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later. You mentioned too, like just kind of the flow of the draft changes everything and, and you know, who you're drafting with and, and the format. So it, it's not like a rigid, um, you know, a system for me that it has to be in round seven or eight. Uh, sometimes it's later, um, but yeah, it can definitely be sooner too. So uh, the next thing is scoring. So every league again, kind of has different scoring settings, uh, which is again, kind of the beauty of IDP leagues. There's no real rigid system that you have to stick to, um, for my rankings that, that I just put on pff.com. I went with some, uh, MFL league settings that I like to use. So this, this allows two and a half points per tackle for like defensive tackles and defensive ends. Uh, it was one and a half points per tackle for linebackers, two points for defensive backs, and then assists were worth uh, half what the tackles were for each of those positions. Sacks were worth four, and QB hits were worth uh, two for defensive linemen. So sacks end up helping those guys quite a bit. So I guess you could call it like more of a, a sack uh, or big play uh, type league. But uh, the other thing that... Uh, I thought was important was I, I use like true position designations since depending on the format that you're playing on, th- those designations could kind of be all over the place. If you're playing on sleeper, you have the dual designation. So that helps. If you're playing on MFL, you might have guys that are uh, outside linebackers or edge rushers that are listed as linebacker. Um, just depending on your league and, and, and those, the settings are how you have them. So to simplify things, I just made them all uh, true position. Um, but yeah, so what we'll do is we'll go through our rankings in groups of 12 players and talk some of the, the reasoning behind those groupings, discuss any discrepancies, uh, reasoning, rankings, etc. But uh, I'll let you kick it off, Matt. Uh, who are your number one through 12 for IDP? Well, it's a little it's a little tricky for me to match the the true position thing and the scoring for the, the different categories. But um, I tried to compile a similar list in style, and I mean, this whole edge thing is going to be a pain. I think for us for at least the next few years until we and the commissioning sites figure it out. Because I, there's you know how much difference is there between I don't know Daniel Hunter. And TJ Watt, it's there's not really any difference. They're doing the same things. Their teams are basically asking them to do the same things, and yet we're talking about two different position groups. So it it is a real challenge ranking these guys. Um, I don't know. It's not something we're going to sort out right now. So I'm not really sure even why I'm bringing it up. But as we go through, you know, it's a challenge that we kind of have to address as we're figuring out these guys. But you know, you asked for players, so we shouldn't waste the listeners' time. And, And I'll name. The guys that are in this group, and not necessarily in this order, but I'll go Darius Leonard, uh, Brian Burns, Daniil Hunter, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, 
and then it gets a little bit tough right there at the end because I do have a couple of DBs that are up in this area, and it really is going to depend on scoring format whether DBs belong that high. It's also going to depend on whether Jamal Adams plays football anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think yeah, I think you can absolutely put some DBs up there if you wanted to, right? Like considering how Jamal Adams scored last year, I know he missed like he missed a couple games too, but I mean, nine and a half sacks uh, <laughs> as a safety is just ridiculous. Um, you get Derwin James back this year, uh, who's also like a, a pass rushing DB um, could be used in that way. Buda Baker, who's a tackle machine, Jeremy Chin emerged last year. There's there's definitely guys, and and I mean there's a few more too but there's definitely guys that you could put in that range um but yeah i think a lot of the same a lot of the same names for me in the top 12 so i went miles garrett um i did put tj watt in there so i did do the the edge thing and, and you're right it is it's an absolute pain in the ass um to try to figure out it's it's just it, it's silly really because <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they, they it's based off like three four base and four three base and and teams don't really stick to that for for the length of a game mm-hmm. um it, it's it's all over the place anyways so it's it is weird um but then i got joey bosa nick bosa uh aaron donald daniel hunter chase young brian burns uh, my four linebackers that i put in there are darius leonard blake martinez roquan smith and devin white um so yeah so i and it sounds like you you yeah you have quite a few too but just based on the scoring, um, but also like my my strategy in general is is going to be heavy defensive line early. I don't know how you feel about um, defensive line versus linebacker early. I'm not against one or the other, but um, what are your thoughts on going um, defensive line early or linebacker first? Well, in most previous years, I would go defensive line early because I thought that there was a little bit more separation. I think there's a bigger group at the top of that position than usual. And again, J.J. Watt is not what J.J. Watt used to be. So that just kind of makes it more of a pack as opposed to a leader. So that's what pushes Darius Leonard to the top for me because now it's him and everybody else at linebacker, even Devin White. Devin White's the next guy up because he just showed us what he can do. But I think there's also a chance that he falls back a little bit just, you know, regression on how many times he actually converts a sack or whether he gets uh, big plays in coverage. You know, we'll see whether his second half uptick in that area was true or if it was just a small sample thing. So, you know, Devin White's up there. I'm not going to knock him down and we'll see where he goes. Um, I, I do think that DeForest Buckner is somebody that we didn't name that should be up in consideration in that area, primarily because some leagues require that defensive tackle. And if they do, He's well ahead of everybody else, and I, he's he would be a priority, probably even ahead of any single defensive end. If I have to fill a defensive tackle spot, um, you know, it depends on the scoring. Obviously, it depends on how many spots you have to fill at defensive end. But I, DeForest Buckner, I think, is more ahead of the rest of the defensive tackles than anybody is for me ahead of the rest of the defensive ends. Nice. Yeah, that's a good call. Like he, he's another guy too. Like, and he puts up big tackle numbers. And yeah, he's it's a rare talent to have an elite pass rusher from the interior, right? You have Aaron Donald, you have DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, but Chris Jones is not the tackler that DeForest Buckner is either, right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, to have that kind of advantage, and especially for like there's leagues that are you know DT premium too, right? So they give mm-hmm. a little bit more points for for tackles for defensive tackles. I think that yeah, DeForest Buckner is. Um, he's a big advantage uh, if you can grab him um, at that position. So uh, 
for for me just to kind of go over like my strategy a little bit just for why i go defensive line um heavy and i agree like the top the top is is close like those those eight guys for me are are i think any one of them could finish as a defensive end one um and and if anybody goes linebacker first i have no problem with that but for me it's it's kind of about like irreplaceability talent and comfort with my selection of my first few idps and 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 obviously like going eight straight defensive linemen to kick things off because if something happens to i think one of your defensive linemen in season there's rarely an an easy fix that can kind of replace their week-to-week value so you might get a carry Hyder to replace Nick Bosa like last year, but it's not nearly on that same level of potential production as you would uh, if someone like Eric Hendricks goes down and, and you can grab an Eric Wilson type player to, to easily fill his spots. Like if, if Darius Leonard does go down, for example, um, I know I could pick up Bobby Okariki if he's available or even like a Zaire Franklin and EJ speed, maybe um, not. They're mm-hmm. not, nobody's putting up Darius Leonard um, production, but like, it's not that, massive drop off that you might see a defensive line um mm-hmm. so in in most cases I, I feel like you're not getting the replaceability along the defensive line as a position that relies so much more on on actual talent than any other position for idp just mm-hmm. because these guys have to be uh, good more often than not in order to produce in order to produce since they go head to head with blockers on every single play um and, and, and as long as I know I can kind of find another fill-in linebacker on any given week off the waiver wire, then I'm usually going to go like the best players on the defensive line uh, just because their ability to produce elite numbers creates more separation from the lower tiers year over year. And that's why even somebody like if Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald goes down, there's there's no way I'm expecting that kind of same level of production from Tack McKinley or, or Sebastian Joseph Day, um, whoever it is that replaces mm-hmm. them. And I, I think that's the case for like most of the defensive linemen that we're drafting and why it's important for me anyways to load up on those guys uh, early to avoid those in-season headaches. You could set and forget any of those guys on every week, on any week. Um, and, and it's one less position to worry about. I, I think there are, a, I think linebacker is still very deep, um, a deeper than defensive line, uh, as we'll kind of see when we go through these rankings. But yeah, for, I mean, for every 2020 Trey Hendrickson at defensive end, there are like five Tyrell Adams at linebacker or uh, five mm-hmm. 10 Oak Passanios on the defensive line, guys that struggle to provide any value week to week, um, despite the starting role. So I, I, I do like to try to grab one of those elite linebackers, like you say um if i can uh, and and just have that kind of anchor for that position but after that i'm i'm, I'm usually pushing it down the line a little bit because i think it is there's mm-hmm. there's more guys to choose from anyways and i think i think we don't actually differ all that much because for me it's darius leonard and then i'm probably looking defensive line and i agree with you that the further you get from the ball i think the less player talent matters so as you're saying defensive line you have to be good because you're beating somebody head-to-head every play to make a play where you, you get to safety you get to cornerback you can be a bad cornerback and put up great numbers because you're allowing receptions and getting thrown at a lot so um i also think that a way to leverage the i, I my view on leveraging the defensive line guys is that um, I agree you're not likely to find that depth in season, but I also think that on draft day, most of the drafters are going to be chasing last year's sacks. And, you know, you and I and other people who look closely will be able to chase the pressures that haven't turned into sacks yet. So maybe, um, you know, somebody like Carl Lawson 
or uh, Josh Sweat. Looks like he might be heading for a breakout in Philly. I, I feel like I can add one or two of those guys on on my bench and be ready in case something goes wrong with one of my starters on the D line. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good call, and and I think that's that that's definitely something that we see in, in almost every draft. Is guys chasing last year's production, right? Like Trey Hendrickson, uh, Hassan Reddick. Um, these guys are still getting drafted pretty high, I, like w- without any kind of um, regression expected. I think th- I was looking at an ADP. I think it was sleeper from June, I believe it was, and and Hassan Reddick or. Hassan Reddick and Trey Hendrickson were both being drafted basically higher in drafts than they actually finished in 2020 uh, in, <laughs> amongst the rankings, which is crazy to me because we were missing so many of the top defensive linemen as well um, that that mm-hmm. kind of fell off a little bit. So it, it just, yeah, you're right. There's, there's definitely some um, areas where you can take advantage of, of that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so nothing really too different from the top 12 guys. Um, it doesn't seem anyways, uh, nothing major there, but uh, we'll move on to maybe the next 12 then. And that next group, you know, again, it kind of depends on exactly who's going in at the bottom with the, the um, scoring system, but uh, guys like Bobby Wagner in there, um, Jeremy Chin is in there at that point. Jerome Baker is somebody that I don't know when I did my numbers, I wound up higher on than I expected to be. And looking back, I think that, Miami has indicated we should trust that he will stay in the starting lineup this year. I mean, that was the issue with him last year is he started out scoring, then he disappeared from the starting lineup for a while. It was like slowly, his playing time was slowly waning. Then it picked right back up the full time at the end of the year. And then in, what was it, June, they extended him. So they're like, hey, by the way, we believe in Jerome Baker now. So, I mean, he was scoring across categories. I'm not sure how good a player he is, but if he's on the field and he's scoring across categories, I'm going to go ahead and draft him up there. Uh, you know, you have guys like Fred Warner and Eric Kendricks. That's where it gets a little fuzzy because we have guys who are good. Fred Warner might not score to match his talent just because he hasn't quite done that to this point. I don't know if the numbers are going to go up or if he's just going to be, you know, an excellent real life player and a good fantasy option. But I, that I think this is the range where you start seeing linebackers, like you said, that are bunched together. There's not a whole lot separating them. And I'm fine with waiting through this group. And so guys like Chris Jones, Cameron Jordan, uh, Chase Young, I forget if he was mentioned previously at JJ Watt. Um, and even Chandler Jones, depending on, you know, what, what the position designation is and what the exact scoring is. I think Chandler Jones still belongs in that range, especially with a defense that looks like it's being built up around him in Arizona. Yeah, that's interesting. I I, I do want to see what happens with Chandler Jones last year. Cause he, he got off to like kind of a slow start. He, he didn't look like himself. Then he ended up getting hurt and he was done for the year. Right. And now he's kind of requesting a, a new contract or a trade. Um, so <laughs> as soon as they bring in JJ Watt, where that defensive line could maybe be a little bit interesting, even though they don't really have anybody on the interior, but the rest of the defense is, is looking pretty good. And yeah, I would like to see Chandler Jones kind of get back up there. Cause yeah, he's just been one of the best pass rushers in the league for, for the longest time now. So, um, but yeah, I think we have a lot of the same guys in there uh, as well so far. So I, I put Montez sweat in here as well. Um, you mentioned Bobby Wagner. Uh, I put Zach Cunningham in there. He was last year's leading tackler, but, um, and then this is where I put in like the four DB. So I put Jamal Adams, Derwin James, Buda Baker, Jeremy Chin, um, 
and then added in a few more edge rushers to kind of close out the top 24, which was Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, Shaquille Barrett, Carl Lawson, and Josh Allen um, were my, to close out my top 24. I'm still kind of a believer in Josh Allen. I know he was, he was hurt last year and then he, and then he missed the rest of the year as well. So he, he had this big dip of a year from his rookie season, but he just looks so good as a rookie too. Like I think that um, I, I'm kind of focusing more on that season for him than, uh, than anything else. But um, yeah. Any thoughts on, on that group? Josh Allen's a tough one for me because I liked him coming into the league. He was a speed score winner. That's something I, I look at every year at draft season um, where, because speed score for these guys, for these edge rushers does tend to point to talent and ultimately production in the NFL. So he was a winner on that front. And then, like you said, he performed well as a rookie. It was a, a much different situation at that point though it was a much better Jaguars defense Calais Campbell was there I don't know last year shook me a little bit and I mean I guess it depends on how you look at the pressure metrics there are ways you can look at his pressure numbers where he he didn't do awesome over the past two years and then you know you can point to other things and say he did well for this stretch so I guess I'm open to Josh Allen rebounding this year as long as I don't have to buy in too heavily. And I think that this is a range where you can take somebody like that that you believe in that has shown something. And then if it ultimately doesn't work out, I mean, you know, there is you can buy insurance past that still at the position. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. And I, I think like Josh Allen, from what I've seen anyways, he's kind of been like one of the more polarizing um, players in the in the league just like for IDP because I've seen people rank him kind of outside of the top 30. I've seen people rank him inside the top 10. Like there's just like there's such a, a, a wide range of, of people's like kind of expectation for Josh Allen for this year. And I, I think, I mean, ultimately I, I feel like he'll probably end up somewhere in between there, but I do really like that. Um, like you said, I liked him coming out as well. And I, I think that, uh, last year was was kind of an aberration what what will be seen as an aberration when we look back on on the last few years of him um just because he wasn't fully healthy but yeah i'm with you like i don't i i don't hate um kind of fading him too because i i think there there are some guys that i like ahead of him like carl lawson like shaquille barrett um to smith even khalil mack that people Mm -hmm. aren't uh overly crazy about um anymore because he's getting older but he, he we've seen really like no drop off in his play he's just still been an elite um edge rusher he was our, our highest graded edge rusher last year at 92.3 it was crazy um but uh, i guess just the nine sacks yeah I, i'm i'm 41 so Khalil max not old as far as i'm concerned i'm still buying yeah that's a thing i know right that's it that's always like the most depressing thing is when somebody calls it like an nfl player old and you're like oh shit i'm older than them yeah this is <laughs> yeah it, it, it happens more and more through the years and it's just it's depressing um but yeah Khalil Mack, i think still playing you get used to it yeah, don't worry. i hope so um but yeah, Khalil Mack to me still playing at elite level. And and as far as like the DBs go, the safeties that I mentioned, those four are kind of the, the ones that I think are the most interesting. If I don't get one of those guys, I, I'm usually waiting pretty long on the on the position um, just because I think it, it is one of the deeper ones as well. I think there's some some interesting names that usually tend to fall in, in drafts as well. But uh, I, I rarely end up with one of these top four safeties unless it's Derwin James. If somebody gives me the opportunity to draft Derwin James, I'm usually going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yes. All right. Um, all right. Let's go through, um, I guess, it's, yeah, 25 to 36 now. Uh, who is in your group there? Why don't you uh, take a turn this time since it's your show? You can hit me with your 25 to 36. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so I put Eric Hendricks in here. Um, he comes in he, LB7, but he's a little bit lower on the list. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds as well. Jayon Brown. This is a very heavy uh linebacker group for me actually it looks like it's all linebackers so eric hendricks jermaine edmonds jayon brown fred warner levante david patrick queen demario davis devin bush who i'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about micah parsons kenneth murray and cj mosley um so oh yeah devin bush i don't know where you have him ranked um obviously the trade happened last night between uh pittsburgh and jacksonville sending joe schobert over to uh to to pittsburgh and has everybody kind of losing their minds as far as what to do uh with the steelers linebackers and and what to expect from them who's going to be lb1 right now i'm sticking with devin bush as kind of the lb1 in pittsburgh just because he's been there he's a top 10 pick for them um joe schobert you know he's been around i i think joe schobert is getting more credit than than probably he deserves for being a good linebacker. People seem to think he's really good. I think he's he's an okay linebacker. He's a really good IDP linebacker. But as far as NFL terms, I think um, I think he's just okay uh, as a Browns fan. Um, it, it, you know that, that's not a bitter Browns fan in me talking, but I, I think he is just an okay linebacker. Devin Bush, he hasn't shown that top ten talent um, when, from when he was drafted, but I think it's there, um, and I think he'll get a chance to kind of prove that he could still be the starter. I just think it's more Robert Spillane insurance than anything else for for Joe Schobert because Spillane is not very good. But um, we, we could get back to more of my guys uh, in, in a bit. But I'm curious. Um, who your your next group is and then also what you kind of think of the um pittsburgh jacksonville trade from last night okay yeah um yeah because i'm curious to hear more about the devin bush joe schobert um so, so yeah in this range uh in, you know again kind of crossing over with the last one but i've got foyer Oluwokun in here i've got demario davis cj mosley um, Taylor Rapp is in this mix. Jason Pierre-Paul, Jayon Brown, who you mentioned. Um, Jamie Collins is up here, and he's one that I look at in my rankings every time, and I'm not sure if I like him where I have him, but I haven't moved him down yet because he's in a good spot to collect tackles. So for now, I'm leaving him in that range, and we'll see if I change my mind. Uh, and then Carl Lawson is right in this range too. I'm not sure if I'm exactly at 12 right there, but, you know, I'll, Mostly filling that in with a couple of other guys. I think I've got one or two safeties that we mentioned already. John Johnson, Jesse Bates are kind of in this range too. I'm not sure what to make of John Johnson in a new spot, but I guess with what he's done so far, I'm more willing to bet on John Johnson than I am to bet that he's going to fall way down just because he's in a new defense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I, and yeah, that makes <laughs> as a Browns fan again, like that does make me feel better too, because yeah, John Johnson was one of his very excited about. And, and I think, I mean, the fact that he's going to play every single down as well, I, I don't think they're taking him off the field for anybody, uh, even though they do have Ronnie Harrison and, and Grant Delpit coming back. I, I still think John Johnson's going to be the most productive safety from that group, and I could easily see him finishing as a top 10 um, safety f- uh, for IDP as well. Yeah. So. And, and it sounds like things are going slowly for Grant Delpit. And I mean, they're still playing behind that bad Cleveland linebacking core. I don't think there's anybody 
really worth uh, planting a flag strongly with. You know, maybe we'll get to that in a few minutes. But I mean, that also kind of plays into the Joe Shobu thing you mentioned. I agree with you. I think he's just kind of an okay NFL linebacker. And I think we see that in Cleveland, letting him walk away in free agency, even though they or have been struggling at linebacker ever since then. And then Jacksonville giving him a bunch of money and then a year later trading him for a sixth-round pick and eating that money. I mean, I think the NFL is telling us that he's a limited guy. I'm guessing he'll start for Pittsburgh because I don't see why they make that trade if he doesn't step in next to Devin Bush. Um, but, I, I mean, I agree. He has to take a, a hit in terms of his projection. I, I'm still going to put him ahead of Devin Bush personally because – even though he's an average linebacker, Joe Schobert has been collecting tackles at both places so far. And there are some of those guys that just do that. And Devin Bush, to me, I haven't seen what he does particularly well yet. So it's tough for me to bet on him coming off an injury. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it, it's one like I, I don't feel great about picking one either way because I could I could easily see it going on either way. And mm-hmm. it's now it's one that I'm like really kind of interested in. I wasn't interested in the Steelers linebackers before. Like I assumed it would be Devin Bush and then some Robert Spillane. But yeah, I think it'll be Bush and, and Schobert now and just to kind of figure out who's going to be getting the most snaps because they do play like above average um amount of like dime personnel as well so they'll, they'll leave just one linebacker on the field for or at least last year they did about 17 percent of the time so there's there's a bunch of, of snaps kind of uh of difference there between one of them um so yeah if, if it's showbird it wouldn't surprise me at mm-hmm. all um yeah like i said i, I wouldn't be surprised and, and i just i don't feel great about having devin bush there that's where i'm sticking right now but uh i once we see a few more snaps in the preseason maybe we'll, we'll have a better idea <laughs> hopefully um and then yeah so yeah yeah i think i think my biggest stance I think my biggest stance on the Steelers linebackers right now would be like, don't plant a flag with either one. You can, if you want to take either one at some point, go for it. But uh, I'm not going out on a limb for either guy. Yeah, that's fair. That, 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 that works perfectly well. You don't have to take these guys. That's the main thing. So, um, and like you said, yeah, even with like the Browns linebackers, like, yeah, I just, it, it, I'm not crazy about it either. I don't think Jeremiah Wusukoromo is going to come in right away and be like this uh, elite starter. And and I think it's going to take him some time to get used to the NFL. And I mean, Anthony Walker is, is okay. He's not this great linebacker either. I, I kind of like Jacob Phillips, mm-hmm. but uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's still got to prove it in the NFL as well. So um, not that we mentioned any Browns linebackers in this grouping, but you had brought it up. So I just wanted to touch on it before, uh, uh, before we move on. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did put Micah Parsons in here. So he was the first rookie um, that I have ranked here. It was Jamin Davis before um, I had Jamin Davis in the spot last night, the Redskins or the football team uh, played the Patriots and what we saw in that game, I mean, take it for a grain of salt, but John Bostick and Cole Holcomb were the starting linebackers with uh, Jamin Davis came out there in base as well, but he came off the field in nickel packages. So that was like enough for me to be like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll knock him down a little bit just to see. Ultimately, I think he will end up being the starting linebacker there and be the the idp to own in washington but it was enough for me to kind of knock him down the list a little bit and since my um my rankings came out for pff.com i've obviously tinkered uh, as as things go um through the preseason and as news comes out it just happens but um 
I, I'm a tinkerer by nature, so that they're they're obviously always going to change. But <laughs> even as I'm going through this list now, I'm kind of like oh, I could probably move this guy here and move that guy there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how often you play with your rankings, but it's, for me, it's like if I look at them long enough, I'm always going to be tinkering them. Oh yeah, anytime I look at them is when I yeah. tinker with them, <laughs> and that, that's it's probably a good thing that I don't have more time to spend just staring at them, making sure I'm comfy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you, you could always second guess yourself. And that like there's just like little pieces of information, especially now in this off season. Like it, there's there's so much info that comes out of training camp and stuff that can kind of sway you one way or the other. And you try not to put too much stock in it, but it also like you, you start to wonder a little bit and, and get to thinking. So it does it sometimes affects the rankings as much as it it shouldn't. Um all right. Okay. Uh, let's go to group grouping 37 to 48. Uh, do you want to start or you want me to go again? Oh, I can, I can start. We could alternate. Sweet. Um, so I, I think there are some safeties in this range. Jonathan Abram, Justin Simmons, I think belong in this kind of range. And I think there's a little bit of space between them and the next couple guys, although I'm not sure that my numbers are, really reflect that. But I think the upside on uh, Jonathan Abram and Justin Simmons is probably higher than Kevin Byard and Malcolm Jenkins, for example, who are right next to each other in, in my rankings. Carl Lawson falls in this range for me. Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks is a tough one for me because I wanted him to be higher after I did my numbers than he was. And yet I'm not sure if I want to just go fix that because he, he collected a bunch of tackles last year. He um, you know, balled out in coverage and maybe he just got better in that area or maybe it was a blip and he's going to regress some this year. You know, Anthony Barr was out. The defense was a lot weaker overall than it had been. So I, it's not like he played poorly and just got better numbers. He also played better. So I don't want to bet against Derek Kendricks, but I don't want to be too strong on him. So he probably needs to move up my rankings, I guess, is the the final word there, but we'll see. Um, Stefan Tuitt is in this range for me. I'm not sure yet if Joe Schobert's going to stay in this range. I haven't really had a chance to figure out what to do with him. I got to think on a little more before I'm making big moves there, but it probably in this range right now. And then I think you also have to look at whether your league requires a cornerback or whether scoring makes cornerbacks more viable. And this is, I think, where a player like Kenny Moore from the Colts comes into play. Um, Levante David is in this range and maybe should be higher. You know, he's he's a bit more of a floor bet than a ceiling bet at this point, but a pretty reliable guy. And then we get to defensive ends like Hassan Reddick and Carlos Dunlap, who ultimately are guys that I'm not reaching for, but it gets to a point where you're like, all right, this guy is probably going to get like eight or nine sacks. Nice. Yeah. And you mentioned the corners too. And so Kenny Moore, would you say is your CB one? I mean, it's close. I was actually just looking at that because it, it differs by format. I think that in, in this particular scoring, he is slightly behind Trevon Diggs. But now that I see that, I will probably adjust them so that Kenny Moore is ahead of him just because I feel a little bit comfier there. But Trevon Diggs had the kind of rookie season that points to numbers continuing as long as he stays on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I like that. Cause yeah, Kenny, I, I have Trevon Diggs pretty high in the corners and, and, uh, Kenny Moore is my, my corner one overall. Um, he's just a tackle monster too. Like he, he's put up more tackles than any cornerback, uh, of the last four years. So, um, gotta love that that playing in the slot helps too. So he's able to blitz and, and put up numbers that way. Um, 
Nice. Okay. So yeah. So for me, 37 to 48. So this is where I put in a couple of the defensive uh, tackles. So DeForest Buckner and Chris Jones are the number two and three for me at the defensive interior. Uh, I also put Demarcus Lawrence in here. Uh, Joe Schobert is in here. Uh, like you said, uh, Jamin Davis uh, is still up there for me. We'll see what the word is after a couple more preseason games, if he's actually going to be the starter or not. I still feel like he might. Um, Leonard Williams, uh, I have up there as well. I think he, you know, he had a big year last year, but I think he was good enough and he's going to have the opportunity to kind of do that uh, again, maybe posting similar numbers. Bradley Chubb, uh, I put in there. So he's another one kind of that comes in with that designation issue where he's most likely going to be listed as a linebacker in most leagues. But for this sake, if you are playing true position, I think Bradley Chubb could be a good play, uh, especially if Von Miller gets back healthy and, and kind of to what, uh, what he was in the past to kind of help him out uh, as well. Uh, Jason Pierre Paul, uh, I put another rookie, I put Zaven Collins in there, uh, followed by Jalen Smith, Isaiah Simmons, and I put Jordan Poyer. So Jordan Poyer is my safety five. Um, a little lower in the group, so he's like number 48 overall. Um, but Jordan Poyer, like if anybody's taking him higher, I have no problem with that at all because he's another one of those guys, just a tackle machine. Um, that's just what they do in Buffalo. But I mean, between Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer, like those guys just put up huge tackles. I think I was looking at the numbers. I don't think Buffalo has had a linebacker post under hundred tackles since 2001. Um, so, so they, I mean, the health has been important too, like for that, for that number, but Tremaine Edmonds is, is in there. He's posted hundred, ta- at least hundred tackles in every year. And Jordan Poyer is just, consistently putting up more tackles somehow each season of the last four seasons. So uh, I could easily put him a little bit higher, but um, yeah, that's kind of my group there. DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones. I, I, you know, I think you're right. I think you're right with DeForest Buckner. I think there is a, I think there is more space than, um, than what the rankings, the, what my rankings kind of show here. Chris Jones, a very good pass rusher, but uh, he's not the greatest tackler. He has a lot of missed tackles as well that, that had come his way. And then there's talk too about him playing on the edge, um, which uh, I think can help him as far as being a pass rusher goes. So that, that was another thing that kind of pushed me, pushed him up a little bit uh, closer to DeForest Buckner. But I think you're right. Buckner is, uh, I think he's, he's got a, bit of space there between him and Chris Jones and the rest of the defensive tackles. Yeah. I think there's more, uh, pass rushing upside to Chris Jones. I think there's more pass rushing upside to Chris Jones, but, um, I think that they're similar, at least in floor, there's some upside to Buckner and he brings that tackle floor for you. We'll see what the edge thing does for Chris Jones this year. He sounds like he's going to be playing a lot more on the edge. It also sounds like it's going to vary week to week. So, I mean, maybe it's good for him. Maybe it boosts his numbers. Maybe it takes him a little while to get used to it. So, you know, Chris Jones is right up there. He's the second one for me behind DeForest Buckner in terms of DTs. But if for me, it just even solidifies Buckner a little bit more as that number one guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, I think it makes sense, right. To put Chris Jones on the edge because I I think the chiefs do have some good young, like defensive tackles as well. They got um, Tershawn Wharton who who, uh, showed Mm -hmm. out last year. Um, Kalen Saunders. We'll see what happens with him, but uh, they also um, brought in Jerron Reed uh, from Seattle who plays a lot on the interior, but also kind of over tackle a little bit as a defensive end. So, 
I think there are some guys that could fill in that spot if they are going to put Chris Jones on the edge. And I think that's what makes it a little bit interesting for him. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say, I was wondering what your thoughts were on the uh, the Cardinals uh, linebacker situation, Zayvon Collins and, and Isaiah Simmons, uh, and I guess Jordan Brooks to an ex- or Jordan Hicks to an extent, um, even though he's on the trade block. Well, I, I haven't checked in on it in the past few days to see if we've had any updates on roles. I, Zayvon Collins, I love the upside on him because they committed to him right away being a starter, and he came in with the coverage um, upside from college had a big season in coverage last year. So that points to a guy that's going to stay on the field unless he shows them that they can't leave him on there. I guess to me, the fact that they didn't feel comfortable leaving Isaiah Simmons on the field all that much last year only makes me lean further towards Zayvon Collins because they committed to him so quickly after drafting him. So I like Zayvon Collins. I've got him ahead of Micah. Ki- I'm sorry, Micah. Uh, Micah Parsons. I just looked at Micah Kaiser, so I'm about to say the wrong guy. But I have him as the number one rookie linebacker for me. And I've been watching the stuff about Micah Parsons in Dallas, and I feel like I'm probably too low on him. I need to bring him up, but I'm excited for Zayvon Collins, and I'm still interested in Isaiah Simmons. But that rookie season spooked me a bit. Yeah, fair enough. And and I think. Um, I think too, like they, they do want to move Isaiah Simmons around like they did with him as a rookie. And I think that, I don't think that necessarily helps him all that much unless as a pass rusher, he starts to convert, um, some of those attempts into sacks. So he might not have the exact tackle floor as a Zayvon Collins either. So, um, but Zayvon Collins is a big body too. Like he can pass rush and, and, and move in coverage. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think both of them stay on the field, but I do, I do agree. I think Zayvon Collins, uh, is potentially, uh, in for the bigger year, uh, if they're both going to be the starters there. And, and, and he's kind of at, lately anyways, I found it's been a lot of focus on Micah Parsons and, uh, Jamin Davis as the kind of most talked about rookies. But I think Zayvon Collins has been a little bit forgotten about. And um, I, I like the call. I like him. Um, you saying mm-hmm. that he could be the rookie LB1 too. So uh, it'll be interesting because tonight, I guess it is, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, the Cowboys are playing the Cardinals. So we'll get Micah Parsons versus Zayvon Collins if they're both uh, suited up for tonight. So that'll be fun to to check out uh, once we're done. All right. Uh, so we'll go through to 49 to 60 here. So another big grouping of linebackers for me, as well as some safeties. Um, I went with Jesse Bates and Von Bell, uh, both the Bengals safeties uh, to kick things off. Those are the two guys that I, I like the most. Jesse Bates has been not only a very good uh, NFL safety, but he's been a good IDP safety playing from the deep safety spot, which is very rare um, just because those tackle numbers don't usually come from the guy playing furthest from the line of scrimmage um, that would usually be somebody like Von Bell. And it has also been the case with him as uh, playing in the box for the Bengals. And I think those guys are, are putting up these huge tackle numbers because I mean, the rest of the Bengals team is really not that great at, uh, on defense. You look at their defensive line, you look at their linebackers. There's some decent guys. I think people are optimistic about Logan Wilson. And obviously there's Trey Hendrickson. Sam Hubbard is, you know, he's a, a, a decent defensive end as well, but there's not like a whole lot that excites you about that Bengals defense. So I think those two guys are still going to be the IDPs to own in Cincinnati. Um, and then I just go on another run of, of linebackers here and it, it just kind of showing the, the, the depth of the position. I think these guys are all in for, for volume plays. Um, and then we're just going to hope for some decent efficiency. So it's Shaq Thompson, it's Eric Wilson, Miles Jack, Corey Littleton, 
Alexander Johnson, Jerome Baker, Foya Luakon, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Okariki, and Dre Greenlaw. Um, so again, and, uh, there's a couple LB2s from their own team in there. Uh, you mentioned Jerome Baker in there. Yeah, I meant to I meant to talk about it when you brought him up because it is a weird one. I was l- pretty low on Jerome Baker coming into this year before the contract signing just because Miami seemingly benched him for like three games. Um, they just cut his snaps down significantly uh, in the middle of the season, and then they they brought him back up. And then it was it just seemed like yeah, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna keep him around for long. And then they of course make him like a top ten played paid player at his <laughs> position. Interestingly enough, in the off season, so that made me uh, feel a little bit better about him. But I think he's also gonna need to. Um, he was also very efficient as far as a pass rusher goes. I think he converted seven sacks last year. Um, I think those numbers kind down a little bit but i think he'll his tackle numbers might improve a little bit as well so he's still in that like lb2 lb3 range for me but um yeah anyways um who's who's in your group Yeah, Jerome Baker is somebody that, that, like I said, came out a little higher than I would have guessed. And he's probably coming down in my rankings as we get further, as we get closer to like heavy draft season. Um, But it's just kind of a confounding situation. It's especially confounding because I feel like the Dolphins are making pretty good choices overall. But, you know, not to linger too much on that one. Uh, this group, it's all linebacker for me. I've got Tremaine Edmonds. I got Shaq Barrett, which obviously he's higher if you're playing with an edge designation or he's a D end or whatever. Um, the linebacker designation hurts him. Matt Milano, Jalen Smith, Zayvon Collins. I got Micah Kaiser in here, although Micah Parsons is probably going to come up and join the group and be my higher Micah uh, by the end of things. I do have Eric Wilson in here as well. Willie Gay Jr., Miles Jack, um, who hasn't come up yet, but's probably coming up a little bit more. Uh, Deion Jones, Jamin Davis, and then Isaiah Simmons. And, you know, some of those guys are going to take evaluation as we watch what happens through um, preseason. But, you know, it, it's really a fairly packed group. This is when we get to the point where I'm like, I don't need to have the first or second guy in this group because I know I, I'm just fine with the seventh or eighth. Eric Wilson, I think, is somebody that I'm going to end up having a lot because I don't think that people are going to really go after him. But every indication I've seen out of Philly is that they all expect him and they all being beat writers. Anybody watching the team expects him to be the top playing linebacker for the Eagles this year. And it makes sense because he fared well in coverage last year. No linebacker in Philly fared well in coverage last year. And even though they didn't give him big money in free agency, they gave him more money than they're paying anybody else. that's already there at the position. So it just, it looks to me like Eric Wilson's going to be the main linebacker in Philly, which as we saw with Alex Singleton could be high upside uh, and we're also drafting Eric Wilson in a range where if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, it's not killing your team. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be Eric Wilson. I mean, Alex Singleton will be in the mix as well. Like if they're running two linebackers um, and Alex Singleton, Alex Singleton was like crazy efficient last year as a tackler. And he kind of has been already in the preseason too. Like through one game, he had um, I think seven tackles or something like that on like 19 snaps, <laughs> something crazy. So he, Alex Singleton is like arguably one of the most uh, efficient tacklers of, of the last year and, and uh, a little bit now. Um, but yeah, I, I still have Eric Wilson, like pretty a, a lot higher than, than Singleton. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, y- I think the interesting one, like the Rams linebackers are going to be a, a tough one to figure out. And I think it, all things point to like right now, it, it seems like Micah Kaiser, like you said, um, is probably going to be the starter. 
I feel like that group is just, it's so bad that it could change multiple times, like throughout the season or before the season. Um, like I've kind of put my, my, my money on, um, Traven Howard, uh, and, Ernest Jones as, as the potential two starters, just, just based on who I think <laughs> the best players are of that group and who could actually like win the job outright. But it does seem like they want to stick with Micah Kaiser too. And, and if, if, I mean, if they open the season with them, like he's going to be a decent IDP because again, playing behind Aaron Donald, it, it can only help. It opens up a lot of holes for linebackers to just like walk into tackles. Um, it, we saw that with Corey Littleton when he was there and, and uh, Corey Littleton ends up in this group for me. Cause I think he, he regains a starting role, but um, yeah, Kaiser, I can, I can easily see kind of coming into this spot for sure. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that they didn't add something a, a little bit more high profile at the position. I know that they were limited on draft picks, but uh, I was I was expecting them to do something at the position. The fact that they didn't do anything and it still sounds like Micah Kaiser is the top guy. Not a guy where I'd be like, you need to draft Micah Kaiser, but if he's a starter, I'll take him. And it, we're in the range now where if he loses his job in week four, then I'm like, okay, I'll pick up his replacement. I'll pick up Troy, Troy Reader off the waiver wire and get those points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the way to approach it, right? Like it's such a mess. Um, and, and then even the, even the safety group, I, I think there's some question a little bit uh, like you, you mentioned Taylor Rapp who, who seems like he'll be the, the starter there, but they didn't seem like crazy about Taylor Rapp last year. You know, they didn't play him. Um, as a starter and they seem to only play him out of necessity um, basically because guys were hurt. Um, so I've, I've kind of been interested because of that in, in Terrell Burgess, just kind of keeping an eye on, on what he can potentially be um, in that Rams uh, defense. And I think if they stick with some more like dime heavy looks, I think Terrell Burgess could potentially be uh, a guy to kind of look at there too, just uh, playing in the slot or, or in the box, whatever it happens to be. But um, yeah, the Rams defense is interesting. They were the best defense in the league last year, but they had basically the worst linebackers. So um, <laughs> it kind of tells you a little bit about the value of the linebacker position as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they didn't draft somebody very high. I mean, they drafted Ernest Jones in the third round, but um, definitely could have attacked that position earlier to grab like a Nick Bolton in the second too. So um, it'll be interesting. That that That's one I'm very interested in this offseason. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Attention to all men across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do you have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick those pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like they're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job. That's from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off 
plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP. Speaking as a woman, if my Jedi drops his robe and I see a Qui-Gon Jinn looking mustache around his lightsaber, or worse, if his nuts have straggly little tufts of hair like on Yoda's head, I'm out. Let's be honest, the furry little Ewoks may have been cute in the 80s, but the new generation deserves a finely groomed pork to take its place. It's time to head out on a mission away from the dark side and into the light. Ready for an out-of-world experience, men? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the US, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, the planet Hoth, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold his whole solar system. First scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you men on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. You can even trim your bubes when you're visiting Master Yoda in the swamps of the Dagobah system. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 4000K LED spotlight so you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. Guys, this is like shaving your space nuggies with a lightsaber. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. Picture Master Yoda battling Count Dooku in Attack of the Clones as the small but mighty Jedi jumps and flips around taking down anything in his way. This is how the Weed Whacker attacks nose and ear hairs. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate folds, flaps, and holes. Make sure you use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Better yet, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Men, take advantage of this Manscaped offer and trim down that Chewbacca to a C-3PO level of smooth. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG number 3 IDP at manscaped.com. Your space balls will thank you. So we'll go through uh, the next group here, 61 to 72. Who is in this range for you? Well, so Demarcus Lawrence and Yannick Ngakwe, maybe they would land in the other range, uh, the range that we just talked about. It, it probably, honestly, what I'm drafting is probably going to depend on what I have on my roster and exactly who's still on the board. But uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell is still here. I mean, he's DN20 or D lineman 21 on the board I'm looking at right now. Um, you know, still trying to figure out what to make of him at this point in his career. But Grady Jarrett is somebody else who would get a boost if we need to draft a defensive tackle, but certainly uh, a tier behind Chris Jones, who I think is a tier behind DeForest Buckner. Trey Flowers is in here, although I'm never sure what to make of him because I think he's ultimately always just going to be like Justin Smith, where he never turns it into – he puts those behind-the-scenes numbers up that – make you think he's going to be a 10 plus sack guy at some point, but I'm not sure that he's ever actually going to be that guy. So I've got him in this range. Um, 
uh, let's see, Taekwon Lewis, I think, is close to this range. Somebody that's more of a sleeper um, that I probably won't draft where I have him ranked because I don't think anybody else is going to be drafting him where I have him ranked. So somebody to, to keep in mind. And then among linebackers, I've got Patrick Queen, uh, Shaq Thompson, um, Dre Greenlaw, and, and Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray is somebody I want to have higher up, but I don't know. It just doesn't work out numbers-wise so far. We'll see if he puts it all together this year. And then I guess this is Darius Smith is somebody that has to be included. Again, if we're talking true edge, maybe he's a little bit higher. Right. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, it, it is. It, it's it's hard because I, I do say like these are the, the rankings that I put together for like true position. But if for whatever reason, like one of these guys, Khalil Mack, TJ Watt, well, maybe not necessarily TJ Watt, but Zedarius Smith, um, Shaq Barrett, like if they're listed as a linebacker, I say usually drop them down a few uh, rounds, um, basically just to kind of mm-hmm. make up for that because they're, they're just not going to score as well as a linebacker. It's interesting. You mentioned Clayus Campbell. Um, I, I I do feel like I'm a bit lower on him this year. I, I think you know he he's one that I think is kind of declining a little bit with his age, but he, he does still get on the field quite a bit, and he's such a big body that he absorbs a lot of tackles as well. Um, I don't think he has as much of his pass rushing uh, ability as he used to. I, I, he does rely a lot more on his power now, um, which even that is I think starting to go. But uh, I, I as a volume play, I think he could still potentially end up in that range like you said um but yeah I, I, there's there's a guy in the defensive interior who i put a little bit higher in here um so i'll i'll, I'll mention my group here and then we could kind of discuss but um so this is a mixed group for me so started off with cole holcomb matt milano and anthony walker uh then moving on to safety i went jabril peppers landon collins kevin byard uh and then another linebacker devondre campbell this could be Chris Barnes as well. Depends on who kind of emerges as the starter for, uh, for green Bay. I, I had, was kind of betting on Devondre Campbell, but recent news also says that Chris Barnes could be wearing the green dot this season. We'll see mm-hmm. if that holds true to start the year. Um, then I put JJ Watt in here, Cameron Jordan, uh, the defensive interior guy that I put was Quinnen Williams. Um, so Quinnen Williams is, I, I put as a big boost for me this year and, and then followed by Chandler Jones and Von Miller, a couple edge defenders that are getting a little bit older, but can definitely still produce cause they are very good at what they do. Um, but Quinnen Williams, I, I we mentioned him on the the breakout episode. I think it was for for me, um, just as a guy that I think really kind of showed like a, a big leap in his play last year. Just especially in the back half of uh, last season, put up some big numbers and, and looked a lot better than he did in his first uh, year and a half, and and then also kind of <laughs> there were there was even trade rumors of, of him early in the season as well but he kind of bounced back from that and those went away so and i think that the jets defensive line as a whole is a lot more interesting this year i think it's a lot better um if you don't include vinnie curry as a starter which i i don't think i do i think it'll be john franklin myers uh playing the edge with carl lawson and then on the inside Fularonzo fatakasi and and uh, quinn and williams and i think quinn and williams is one of those guys that i think does have have the pass rush ability from the interior to kind of take a big leap this year. And, and he's a guy that I'm trying to grab in those DT required leagues as um, I have him as DT five. He a lot of times slips a little bit later than that. So I'm, I'm grabbing him um, usually before the top 10 is closed out for that position as well. 
Nice on the Fadakasi rolling right off the tongue there, by the way. Um, Quinn Williams, the only thing that worries the only thing that worries me a little bit about Quinn Williams is the, the offseason foot fracture that he's apparently about to come back from but hasn't started practicing yet. I mean, especially a guy that size, it makes me a little bit leery. But you know, as you said, he's not going to go early. So I think he is a guy worth um, taking some level of gamble on. I'll be curious to see what the practice reports sound like with him and if it sounds like he's all the way back to full strength and ready to go by the regular season. But I certainly agree on the upside with him. Yeah, that 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 was something that concerned me when it came out. And then they said, like, oh, he's going to be activated in, in a week or two or something like that. So I was like, OK, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully he comes back and he, he looks healthy. But yeah, it's definitely definitely a concern and definitely something to kind of look at. And uh, actually, one of the, the interesting names I think to talk about too is Landon Collins. Um, so I still have him as uh, like a, a safety one uh, kind of in that range. And he was not great last year. Um, and then he tore his Achilles and Cameron Curl came in and, and uh, was a, like a big time producer for, uh, for Washington. And early reports in camp were that Landon Collins um, is fully healthy. He's recovered and he's going to be the starting strong safety again with Cameron Curl playing free safety last night. Uh, it was the, it was the opposite of that. So it was actually Cameron Curl that was playing strong safety for the most part. And, and Landon Collins was playing the deep safety. Um, we, we've talked about this almost in every episode, but I'm curious what side do you fall on? Are you a Cameron Curl guy or are you, uh, Landon Collins? Who, who, who is the guy that you're targeting among the Washington safeties? I would honestly have to say I'm non-committal on the two of them at this point because I think the ultimate track record you have to lean toward Landon Collins and say that last year was a blip and they're they were saying heading in that he was gonna still be the same guy so you know we'll see if maybe week one was them trying something and week two is different or if it's actually something different and I mean Cameron Curl just doing what he did last year makes it a little bit tougher to kind of trust that we're going to go back to the way things were. So I, I think especially when Tracy Walker is behind them, um, Antoine Winfield's in a similar range, and then like um, Donovan Wilson in Dallas. So I, we're just getting into a range where I can wait past those guys rather than making the call between them. And, you know, I guess just kind of cop out <laughs> making the decision on them. I have Landon Collins at number 19 <laughs> among DBs right now. Um, Cameron Curls in a similar range. So, you know, if somebody asked me to pick between them, I guess at the moment I would still go Landon Collins, but it's definitely subject to change. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I do think like last night, like it, that snap breakdown caused a, a lot of uh, uh, questions and stuff like that for from people. But ultimately, like it was the first preseason game for Washington. And I, I kind of look at it as more experimental than anything. Landon Collins is not a deep safety. He's played some some looks there. He's not great uh, as a deep safety guy coming off an Achilles tear as well. Like you don't really want him as kind of this single high uh, last line of defense either. So he, he's he's too expensive to cut. He's going to be on the team. He's and to me he just fits that strong safety more role a lot more than somebody like a Cameron Curl, which is the reason that I'm kind of sticking with Collins. But um, you're right. I think the best the best route to kind of take until we know for sure is just just kind of um, chill out on them a little bit and and just let somebody else kind of deal with it if you do end up rostering them and it's not clear before week one i'm probably starting somebody else to see what happens um, and get some information off of week one um, before starting landon collins
Collins in my in in my starting lineup. Yeah, and especially at such a fungible position, there's just no reason to force yourself, I think, to take somebody that leaves you uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 That's the thing, right? Like, especially week one, like there's going to be so much still up in the air. And and we, if we can afford to to wait a week on on certain guys, then I think you do that. You go with the safe, the safe floor to start the season because they're I mean, we saw it last year. It, it was, you know, people that were excited about Isaiah Simmons and he didn't even get on the field really last uh, last year to start the year and, and a lot left a lot of people disappointed. Even guys like um I think Tracy Walker early on in the year too was somebody everyone was excited about to go into the year. And then he ended up being um, more of a backup to start the season. So there's, there's certain guys that if there's any kind of um, uncertainty about their role still going into week one, I'm not even starting them. Um, And I'm just going to wait and see uh, what happens and then put them in after if I like what I see from week one. Um. All right. So we're getting into it here. This is getting pretty deep. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. How many, how many guys do you have ranked? I mean, I have everybody ranked. So do you yeah. want to maybe do like <laughs> one more tier? Cause I think after that point, it gets to really depend on who you have rostered and, and things vary a lot by uh, scoring format. I would say. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do let's do one more tier and then um maybe just touch on some names of of note that that maybe we didn't cover. Um that if there's anybody that you want to talk about that didn't make that that group. I I, I know I'll probably have a couple, but um all right. Uh who is in your your final tier here of 73 to 84? Some other guys I'll throw out here, Draymond Jones in Denver, Frank Clark, um, Jonathan Allen, uh, Cameron Hayward, who I, I would like him to end up higher, but we'll see. He's getting a little bit old. Brandon Graham in Philly. Jeffrey Simmons, if you need a defensive tackle. And then Romeo Aquara in Detroit. Not sure what to make of him after last year. I, I lean toward not trusting it, but I don't want to be completely out in case. I mean, they paid him like they believe it's it, it was a breakthrough. So um, we'll see. And then among linebackers, Nick Nick Kwiatkowski, I always want to say his name phonetically, but it's not. Nick Kwiatkowski, I I want to not forget about among linebackers. In case things go similarly to how they were going with the Raiders last year, I'd be curious to to hear what you think about Corey Littleton. Um, I know you ranked him a good bit higher. Alexander Johnson, who is somebody I like, he could climb my rankings as we get closer to the season. And then I think we're also in the range where like Logan Wilson makes sense. Uh, he's somebody to check the reports on in the coming days. And Chris Barnes is the, the Packers linebacker uh, that I'm betting on on the inside right now. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the Raiders linebackers go, like for me, like, Littleton, I think, I mean, he's the guy that they paid big money, uh, first of all, and and Gruden does mm-hmm. like his guys, it's, right? And I, I think he did play better to close out the season last year. Um, and, and I think what'll help him is Gus Bradley coming in, simplifying the defense a little bit, making it so that it's not so complicated for him, which was kind of the issue that we saw in Paul Gunther's defense last season uh, with him. He was just kind of all over the place, had a bunch of different roles. He was playing out of position. Um, and the, it just, the game just seemed too fast for him. And that, that, that caused like a massive decline in his, uh, his production, even in our, our PFF grades and, and things like that. And he did get more comfortable towards the end of the year after coming back from injury as well, even though he had already lost his job basically 
specifically to Nicholas Morrow and, and Nick Kwiatkowski. Um, I think I think it'll be Littleton and I think it'll be Nicholas Morrow um, as, as the guys to start just based on kind of what I've heard so far from from Raiders camp is it seems like for whatever reason, Kwiatkowski is probably not even it might not even be starting and, and they do like what they've been seeing in Morrow, which I thought was interesting um, because he was somebody that they brought back as well. But uh, they, I think they paid Kwiatkowski uh, decent money and, and he's been a good run stuffer for them as well. So, uh, I mean, I think Littleton is locked in as a starter and I think the, the LB2 one uh, battle is one to kind of watch between Morrow and Kwiatkowski. And just from what I've heard most recently, I've seen Nicholas Morrow over Kwiatkowski, but we know it's the preseason and so much can change for sure. So, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you mentioned uh, Romeo Aquara. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going uh, too fast. I was going to say it's definitely a situation to monitor as we get toward the season because I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm guessing as you said, they did pay Nick Kwiatkowski as well. He got seven million a year on his contract, but then they brought back Nick Morrow. I think Littleton is the ceiling bet. Um, going off of last year, Kwiatkowski might be the floor bet, but it certainly might be Nicholas Morrow now instead. So again, another situation where I'm not planting the flag strongly with one player and just kind of seeing where things are as we get closer to the season. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it is interesting this year because you mentioned, yeah, too, Chris Barnes is in this in this range. And I think Chris Barnes, if he if he ultimately wins that uh, starting role, like he can be a, a really nice uh, IDP play. Devondre Campbell, we kind of know what he is, too. And, and you know, if I don't. I don't think it's impossible for Barnes to beat him out. I, I think um, there's a very good chance actually that he could. It's just, I've, I've left Campbell a little bit higher for now. Um, but uh, yeah, you mentioned um, the lions edge rushers flowers previously, Romeo Quara this time. I think that one's an interesting one. I got both of those guys in this tier for me um, along with uh, Alex Highsmith and Trey Hendrickson. Uh, they're all in here uh, together and, and Brandon Graham as well. Um, but I've also included John Johnson, Malcolm Jenkins, Justin Simmons, Adrian Amos, um, Grady Jarrett. I still have him as a, a upper tier defensive tackle. And I put Antoine Winfield and Xavier McKinney. Um, I put in here as well. I think I have high hopes for Xavier McKinney to kind of uh, be a productive IDP this year, playing in a little bit in the slot, a little bit in the box if they move him deep too. But I think it'll be him and Jabril Peppers kind of uh, putting up production for the Giants and, and Logan Ryan being kind of the third option there. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm waiting to see Xavier McKinney too. He's in he's in a similar range for me. I'm curious to see what they say about what they say about and what they show us with roles heading into the season for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and, and I I don't think we're going to see exactly what um, the NFL like what team defenses are going to look like. I don't think we're going to get those exact looks in the preseason. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of base defense, like just plain basic uh, defensive looks. They're, they're not going to give too much away, but it's still something to kind of monitor and, and, and pay attention to. But um, yeah, Alex Highsmith. So I, I mentioned him, they brought in Melvin Ingram. I, originally I was, you know, I'm pretty, I was concerned that Melvin Ingram might eat into those snaps a little bit, but you know, the more I look at it too, like I, I ended up splitting it, 60 40 in favor of Highsmith as far as what I think their snaps might be. And, and that's more playing it safe just because the, the high end of Steelers edge rusher snap shares is like 85%. Um, they, they play a ton. Um, 
but I think I, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense to, to run two guys out there uh, for that long uh, in, in a game, especially if you have like another viable option like Melvin Ingram. But um, I still have Highsmith uh, ahead of Ingram um, right now for this season. But uh, yeah, curious what your thoughts are on the, the Steelers edge um, guys. That'd be my expectation too. I mean, uh, I, I think it's probably better for Alex Highsmith to not play 85% of the snaps in his first real starter exposure, um, you know, this early in his career. And Melvin Ingram's kind of a why not insurance option at this point. He stayed on the market for so long, you know, whether he earns a larger share of the rotation or whether he's just insurance, like they paid him one year, four million. So it's not big money. He can kind of be whatever they need him to be. If Alex Highsmith falters, then they've got, some vet insurance. If one of them gets hurt, they've got somebody to step in. So I'm not adjusting my Alex Highsmith outlook for him. And I think his value really depends a whole lot on the specific position designation in your league. Right. Yeah, for sure. He's, he's mostly going to be a linebacker. I think in the majority of leagues, but um, yeah, definitely. If, if he's an edge rusher, I think he has some, I think he has pretty decent talent. He showed that in his first season. So um, I think he can be productive, but it's just a matter of how often he's going to be on the field. I don't know if it'll be that that high end 85% like we saw uh, last season with Dupree and TJ Watt and, and Highsmith when he filled in. So, um, yeah, so... I mean, that's 84 players. I, <laughs> I, I, we, we kind of went through them. I don't know if anybody listening is like, I don't know how the hell they're following along to this. I, this is, <laughs> this is a format that I'm not, uh, you know, familiar with. I wanted to give it a try just because it is draft season. I wanted to try to touch on as many players as possible and, and, and get, to get your insight as well. Cause I think you, you obviously, um, know what you're doing and have been doing this for a long time. And I think bring a different, um, perspective as well to a lot of these guys, which I think really helps. Um, but anybody that, that we didn't touch on in these rankings that that you're you're interested in or or, or want to talk about. Um. I'm trying to look through and see if there was anybody big left out. I mean, we we glanced over the Cleveland linebackers. I think that's the way to treat them right now because it's tough to know exactly who's going to emerge. I guess Anthony Walker is probably the best bet, and I think that if you're looking for a Cleveland linebacker, the answer is. As as we get close to the season, whether they treat that final preseason game as the practice run, which they probably will, given there's an off week in between, whoever's the lead guy that week, that's the Cleveland linebacker that you take. And I I want it to be Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. It doesn't seem like it's trending in that direction. We'll see. Um, I would love for him to ultimately be their highest playing time linebacker this season because i think he's the one that has the highest fantasy ceiling even if he's not really all the way ready for football i think that it sounded like they love the talent in him and just the speed that and playmaking ability that he brings i think it would be good to get him on the field and let him learn there but you know that's gonna be a coaching decision so uh, that's one situation i want to watch because there's big opportunity for whoever emerges and i think that they're even if like i said if, even if jok is not quite ready there's a chance that he still gets on the field just because they're a weak linebacking core overall. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think there's, I think there's a chance for him to get on the field. I don't know how much it'll be. I, I've kind of said in the past that I, I'm a little bit concerned about him being like IDP relevant in year one as a rookie. Um, I, I think he'll be more of like a specialty player just to kind of 
get up to speed in the NFL because he played so much uh, slot corner and, and, and wide linebacker uh, at Notre Dame and, and, and really doesn't have that experience kind of playing in between the tackles as like a true off-ball linebacker. So um, I, I think there will be a little bit of time. Plus, he's missed like a fair amount of camp as well. Um, so, you know, even if he does get in there as a starter, it might it's not probably not going to be to start the season. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, unless he really hits the ground running in, in the last few weeks here to close out the, the off season. But yeah, I think, I think it's Anthony Walker. I know there was talk about him wearing the green dot um, and, and not John Johnson. So that, that'll keep him on the field for the most part. And I, <laughs> I mean, the Browns linebackers last year are what scared me, right? They, they really weren't great for IDP. Like they, they have been in the past with guys like Showbird and, and Christian Kirksey even, but last season, I mean, looking at guys like BJ Goodson and, and Sione Taki Taki and Malcolm Smith and Mac Wilson, like I say, st- I think there's still a potential for a rotation among that group um, because they did uh, you know, they, they are expecting Jacob Phillips to take a step uh, forward this year and play a bigger role. Um, but then they still have those guys like Taki Taki and Mac Wilson, um, even Malcolm Smith, who, who was their second mm-hmm. leading linebacker in snaps last year. I, mean, I think he's more of like a camp body at this point. We'll see, but uh, he's still there on the group and, and could potentially steal some snaps if he, if he makes the roster. So th- that's what worries me about the, the, Browns linebackers. And I think you're right. They are kind of a group mm-hmm. to, to fade a little bit and, you know, grab them late if there's really nobody, but I, I'm not reaching on anybody in that group for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, other names, one interesting guy. So, Last season, the Patriots uh, ran a lot of dime and, and Adrian Phillips was like essentially the second linebacker for them uh, from the safety position and was like a really efficient IDP. And so I, I have him as like a safety two right now. But Kyle Duggar is the name that that really interests me. He he played last night um, and and played all over the place and played over Phillips. And I, I know it's still the preseason, but I think if he ends up being the guy that that um, Duggar, that is, if he ends up being the guy that they, that swaps roles with Phillips and ends up being playing the majority of the snaps, I think Duggar can see a big um, jump in production as well. I think he is a breakout candidate this year, but um, it, it can happen potentially even earlier than uh, than expected with how the the preseason has looked and and kind of how they used him last night. So he was somebody that that was kind of interesting to me. I don't know if you have a feel for that. Um, Patriots defense at all, but it, it can often be time a bit of a mess. Yeah. One thing that I have learned through the years is that I never have a feel for anything that the Patriots are doing at any position. <laughs> Just when you think that you yeah. can bet on something, the next week that guy is playing 10 snaps and somebody else is playing his position. So I agree that there's breakout potential to Kyle Duggar, but it, there's also potential to give yourself the dry heaves by trusting any Patriots player too much. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Belichick likes to rotate his guys and he he has like this game plan um, you know, week to week that that can really change players situations um on the regular and and we've seen that kind of with um like guys like Chase Winovich, for example, who was was playing well, and then all of a sudden he got benched um, and and was basically dropped off the IDP map. And I, I think that happens a lot with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And I mean, it's not a bad way to do things from an NFL defense uh, standpoint, but for for an IDP uh, 
league, it, it could be very frustrating to roster some of these uh, these Patriot players. So there's not many that I'm looking at, but Kyle Duggar, Ty, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips for me are the two that I, I, I'm really interested in because I think those are the guys that might have the most value. And, and DB is the position to play around because if you get it wrong, it's very easy to find a replacement. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. Um, yeah. Other than that, I mean, we talked about the Rams linebackers. We talked about the, the Jacksonville Pittsburgh trade. We didn't really talk about who the LB two would be next to miles Jack and Jacksonville, but I think most people have agreed that it's going to be Damian Wilson. That, that seems to be the consensus. I don't think, I don't know if you have anybody that you think is, is, uh, it, it could be as well, but, um, That'd be my guess. And I think that I really think that that guy's not going to end up being a high value player. I think it'll be miles Jack on the field for all um, sub packages. And then, you know, Damian Wilson was not a full-time player at any point for the chiefs. So he's going to have to show me that I need to care about him in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have him like uh, outside of the, the, like LB fours. So I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it'll be miles Jack and, and it's a different defensive coordinator too. Joe Cullen coming in from uh, Baltimore. I think it was. So um, I know they ran a lot of one linebacker looks as well. So Damian Wilson to me, he, he's, he's a guy in deeper leagues, but not somebody to kind of target. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't have any, I don't, you'll, you'll see, like, I don't have a ton of corners up there um, only because I just feel like it's a super volatile position and, and I can, it's such a deep position too. Like if your league has to draft corners, like I feel like I can grab a lot of them uh, a little bit later. So like my first one came in at like 141, and and it's almost it's guaranteed that one somebody like a bunch of them are going to finish above that range. But picking out who they are going to be week to week uh, is just not something I want to do. I'll just grab them later, even though Kenny Morris might my, my CB one if I had to choose one. Um. And then, yeah, last, oh, last thing, Keanu Neal. What do you think about uh, how they might utilize Keanu Neal in Dallas? Um, he's, uh, he was a strong safety in Dan Quinn's defense for the longest time. Now they're listing him as a linebacker, and that's exactly what he played through the first uh, preseason game. But uh, you, you mentioned Donovan Wilson, so you're, you're kind of um, betting on him, it seems. I mean, I would say that I'm not really betting on anybody because I'm waiting to see exactly how it sorts out because the whole Keanu Neal thing is kind of experimental. I mean, we'll we'll see exactly who stays on the field. It's tough to bet against Keanu Neal being heavily involved. I haven't had a chance to check the the playing time numbers from that game. Did we what did we see in terms of Wilson versus Neal in that game? Yeah, so Wilson didn't play um because he's dealing with an injury, but Neil right. Neil came in, he played a, a couple drives, I think it was, and and they were basically all at uh, off-ball linebacker. There was no okay. no safety snaps for for Keanu Neal. So it was guys like I think Jaron Curse was playing safety, um somebody else I can't even remember because Malik Hooker was hurt as well. So mm-hmm. um yeah, Keanu Neal was just playing linebacker. So, I mean, again, they're playing tonight, so that'll be something I'll, I'll have a look at uh, in a bit and, and see what they're doing. But Tom Kislingberry was on uh, with me a few episodes ago, and, and he he's a firm believer in Keanu Neal should be the strong safety. I, I'm with him. I think it makes the most sense, but Dallas is obviously trying to do something different, um, and we'll see if they stick with it to start the year. But for now, I'm, I'm not even drafting Keanu Neal just because mm-hmm. – it doesn't seem like it's worth it. 
Yeah, that's my lean is don't don't touch the situation. Wait for it to sort itself out. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of guys to go through. I mean, we could keep going. Like you said, you've ranked every player. I, I put a t- top 250 list. I, I got like 300 for Dynasty, but <laughs> so we could go forever. We won't do that. Go check out the rankings on draftsharks.com for Matt. Uh, and you can find mine on pff.com as well. But uh, I'd say it was a significant rundown of our IDP rankings and uh, plenty more where they came from. Like I said, to ch- go check them out on pff.com and on DraftSharks sharks.com uh, matt you you've been awesome i i really enjoyed your rankings here and kind of hearing your insight and, and um some of the perspective that you bring and it, it makes me think a, a little bit about uh, uh you know how to approach certain guys too i love hearing from other people that have been doing this for a long time and 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 kind of their strategies and stuff like that so i, I i'm really glad that we got to do this and can't thank you enough for for coming on the show and and uh sharing your expertise uh with us today Hey, I enjoyed it too. Thanks for having me on. It was nice to hear, you know, the same coming back from you. And I, I really respect the things that you guys do over at PFF. I look at that a lot, you know, playing time, the grades, the behind the scenes pressure stuff. It really helps in what I do week to week. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and to gain your insight into some of these situations. I appreciate that. Yeah, we we got a lot of uh, a lot of data at, at PFF, and I, I think it's all very very useful for for IDP. I mean, if you're in the IDP game, if you're or if you're you know if you're creating content for IDP, or if you're you're playing in IDP leagues and you're serious about winning, I really do believe uh, heavily in the the PFF Elite subscription and. and diving into not just the grades but i mean just the player usage and uh and and you know what they're doing snap to snap and the, some of the more advanced metrics that you're getting there i think gives you a significant uh edge uh in your in your idp leagues and and for content creation as well so uh, i appreciate you saying that because yeah uh, pff doesn't get uh pff gets a lot of hate we get a lot of love too but um <laughs> I, I i think there's there's definitely <laughs> some, some good to, to grab from from a pff uh, from the PFF website. So, um, before you go, please uh, share with everyone where they can find, uh, you and your work. Yeah. As you said, at draftsharks.com, you can find all the rankings. I, I, I projected more than 400 defensive guys this year. I didn't even realize until I finished. So there are a lot of rankings that should suit your league, whatever your format at shelf D S S C H A U F on Twitter. So you can always find me there in the DraftSharks YouTube channel. Uh, John was talking about, I talk there more than my colleague Jared would like me to, but you can find our podcast there and, and wherever else you listen to podcasts, of course. Awesome. Yeah, definitely go follow Matt and check out his work, especially the Draft Sharks YouTube page. Like you said, he's doing really good stuff over there. I think a lot of people can benefit from it and not just an IDP as well. So that 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 really helps uh, for people looking for for offense and defense. Um as for me, my work can all be found on pff.com. Like I said, you can go get yourself an Edge or Elite subscription over there, get access to all our locked content. Um and yeah, get a sub. Make sure PFF knows uh, that you are getting the subscription for the IDP contents uh, as well so that they let me keep doing this IDP stuff as well. Um, but we're also 
We're also taking any questions still for our season finale episode, which will happen uh, right before the season. So I mentioned this at the end of last episode. If anybody listening has uh, questions, IDP questions, non-IDP questions, whatever it is, send them in to the show. Um, you can you can DM them to me at, on Twitter at PFF underscore Macri, or you can email them me email them to me at john.macri at pff.com. Just put the subject line big nickel um and then my host uh, my co-host and i for that episode will be johnny the greek and we'll we'll answer them all on the show and, and hopefully get you the answers that you're looking for um yeah and next episode is i think going to be another fun one uh joining me is a man with just too many credentials to do him justice in this closing here so <laughs> i'll save them for when he's on but it is the legendary gary davenport uh coming on to discuss our my guys for the 2021 season so i think that'll be a lot of fun but uh until next time id peace out <laughs>